Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Blaze Experience once again. I am your host, Derek, as always, and we are here to talk about some Sata Decay 2 once again. You are joining us for episode number 55 today, and as always on a Saturday, we're going to talk some Sata Decay. So today's episode, I know I said last week that I might do a rankings episode on Zed Hunter, but I figured since Undead Trials is coming up and Undead Trials is going to be in the base game, we should go back to some classic base game stuff this week. So today, I'm going to do one of the legacy guides I haven't done yet. We're going to talk about the Sheriff Legacy Guide. So a few weeks ago, I did the Builder Legacy Guide. Now I'm going to do the Sheriff one. And then uh, in the future, I will do the Trader and the Warlord at some point. But today will be the Sheriff Legacy Guide. We're going to go through the missions of the Sheriff, um, some of the unique things about the Sheriff, and just talk about my thoughts on it. So um, overall, you know, the Sheriff is a much different experience than the Builder Legacy Guide. So we'll kind of get into that. But before we do... We do have some news at the top of the show, of course. So I do want to say that our next stream will be a 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern stream on Sunday. And this is going to be part of Undead Trials 2. So basically from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., I'll be streaming as a referee. And then from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m., you can watch me compete. I'll be competing from 2 to 4. But when you're hearing this, this is going to come out on a Saturday. And Undead Trials 2 is starting the next day. It's starting tomorrow. And I'm really excited for that. I couldn't be more excited, and I'm just I'm just really thrilled to actually put this event on. So uh, thank you again to Mr. Dart and Kay Sizzle, my colleagues on this. You know, they worked very hard on this as well. And between the three of us, we worked very hard to put this together. So I really hope all of you are going to enjoy it. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I can't wait, honestly. But Undead Trials 2, if you're not familiar with it yet, Basically what this is, it's a community-run event, and we have 65 people who entered, and we're going to take those 65 people who entered, and throughout the week, we're going to go from December 9th to December 15th, and throughout the week, we're going to go from 65 people down to one person, and that one person is going to be our grand champion. And our grand champion will win a SOD 1 t-shirt, a SOD pin, a SOD Cleo water bottle, a Undead Lab signed poster. And also a State of Decay Bronto Gas Jacket. So, some very good prizes there. And all these prizes, except for the pins, you can't get anywhere else except for contests. So, definitely some great prizes here and definitely worthy of playing for. And anyone that actually participates and they show up for at least one match, they will get entered into a drawing and they could win a Sod 1 t-shirt. So, even if you don't win, you could possibly still win a t-shirt from that. So, that's definitely great as well. And... I want to thank Undead Labs for these prizes and for endorsing the event. I really appreciate them endorsing this, and we're so happy to put these events on for the community. And that's what it's about is the community and just you know giving back to the community and showing the community love because this community is awesome. The State of Decay community is one of the best game communities I've ever seen in my life, and I really love this community. So thank you, Undead Labs. Thank you, everyone in the community, and I can't wait for this event to kick off. It's the only beginning, too. I mean, this is only Undead Trials 2, so the sky is the limit where this can go. I mean, we had 65 people enter for the first public event because Undead Trials 1 was invite-only to streamers, and that was just kind of us testing out a competition event. And Undead Trials 2 is the first time we invited anyone that wants to play. So you don't have to stream. 
you don't have to know the game very well. You know, you don't have to play for 500 hours to actually enter this. Even if you play for just five hours, you can enter this. So anyone that's played the game and enjoys the game, they can, they were able to enter this. Um, unfortunately, when you're hearing this, registration is closed now because obviously it starts tomorrow. But, you know, stay on the lookout for Undead Trials 3 because Undead Trials 3, we're going to try and keep this going and keep making it bigger and better. And that's kind of our goal. So uh, I can't wait for that. But basically, Undead Trials 2 is going to involve seven different mini games. And there's going to be referees with uh, three competitors per match. So it's going to be a one versus one versus one scenario with one referee in there. And the referee is going to pick a game out of these seven games. And basically, these three people are going to compete. And two of them will lose. One of them will win. The winner will go on into a winner's bracket. The two losers will go into a loser's bracket. And it's going to be double elimination. So basically, if you lose twice, you're out. If you keep winning all the way, then you have an advantage when you get to the end, because when you get to the end, you haven't lost, and the other people have already lost. So it's going to give you a little bit of a leg up on the competition at the end. But these mini games are fairly simple. Um, there's some luck involved. There's a little bit of skill involved, but it's basically easy enough where anyone can pick it up and try it out. But it also involves some elements where if you're experienced at the game, you might be able to get a little bit of an advantage just from your experience. So I'm definitely very excited for this. It's going to be in probably uh, four rounds. Well, I say four rounds, but technically we're going to have a lot of mini rounds um, when we get to Thursday and Friday because we have to hold a lot of games in the short span of time. But pretty much there's going to be Sunday, Monday, uh, then Tuesday, Wednesday is round two. And then Thursday, Friday, we're going to have to hold uh, a lot of games, possibly some on Saturday. And then the championship will be on Saturday as well. So. Thursday, Friday, Saturday will be kind of hectic just because we're going to have to try and jumble all those schedules together depending on who's left in the tournament, but we'll kind of see at that point and go from there. And I do want to announce, too, that there's going to be no Wednesday podcast next week. That is because of Undead Trials 2. Uh, Undead Trials 2 is going to take a lot of time, and especially for myself when I'm doing a lot of the scheduling, it's going to take a lot of time for me to schedule on the fly because as people win and as people lose i'm gonna have to reschedule everything as we go so i'm gonna have to do the schedule in real time and that's gonna take a lot of time so uh i'm not gonna be able to do a wednesday podcast next week but we will resume our wednesday podcast the week after that however there will still be a state of decay podcast on saturday so don't worry about that i'll still find time to do that and there's a chance that i may do a wrap-up podcast after undead trials 2 um this was suggested to me by mr dart and basically, this would be, you know, whoever wins, I might um, talk about them. I might talk about some of the highlights of the event. I might even have some guests on to talk about the highlights of the event. So that's something I might do. Um, if you're interested in having me do that, then definitely get in touch with me and let me know that you're interested in that. Because if I do hear a lot of feedback, people are interested in it, then I'm more likely to do it. More just basically time constraints. So I would definitely love to do it. It's just more trying to fit in the time to do it. So. I'll have to look at my schedule and see where I can kind of fit it in, but um, it's something that I'm definitely considering. It'd be kind of cool to do a wrap-up podcast and talk about, oh, wow, this person came back, you know, they lost the first round, and they came all the way back to win the tournament, or you don't know what's going to happen, so you don't know what the story of the tournament's going to be, and it'd be kind of cool to talk about the story of the tournament afterwards and talk about the winner, how they got there, and kind of... um some of the favorite games of people and some of the least favorite games, maybe what we could do differently next time. So it'd be kind of cool. 
But that being said, we are here to talk about the sheriff today. So we're going to talk about the sheriff and kind of what's unique about the sheriff. So starting off, the sheriff has some unique facilities to them. One of the unique small facilities is the shooting range 2. And the shooting range 2, what this does differently, is it provides you with the ability to train survivors in shooting or wits. So usually a shooting range, you can only train the shooting. But a shooting range 2, you can actually train them in wits as well. Uh, personally, I don't think this is that huge of an advantage because, I mean, wits isn't that hard to level up in my opinion. You just, you know, search some things and it's not that hard to level up, I would think. So to me, because of that, it's not that useful to you. But um, it's definitely a, a cool thing that if you're trying to train a shooting, you would also train a wits at the same time. So it's definitely a cool thing that if you have this shooting range that you could do that. So if you have a couple of characters that you didn't feel like using, you could just level them up and whip real quick. So it is nice that the feature's there, at least. It also has a field hospital. This is one of the large facilities that is unique to the sheriff. This renders an infirmary three or below obsolete and has the ability to remove infection or heal injuries of all your survivors at once. So that is definitely a nice feature, and this basically replaces the infirmary, like it says. So if you have a field hospital, you don't even need an infirmary anymore. So the field hospital is really good if you have a large slot free and you don't know what to do with it and you obviously have a sheriff leader, then this is something very good because it's your leader project. So you have to build this to beat the sheriff legacy. But what's cool about it, too, is because you don't need the infirmary anymore, if you build this field hospital, you actually have a small slot free. So you can use that small slot to do something else. So you could take that small slot. and If you wanted to, you could build a shooting range, too. Like you could do that if you wanted to, or you could build a hydroponics or really anything you want. So, I mean, it's nice to have that small slot available, but the one thing I'll caution on is if you're not going to complete your legacy right away, that large slot, it might be more valuable to save that large slot or something else, like say a staging area. A staging area is very useful, so I would not build a field hospital over a staging area unless you're trying to complete the Sheriff Legacy fairly soon so it kind of depends on your situation because if this is going to be a playthrough where you play through it for a long time and you go to you know 100 days uh, 150 days however many days you want to go to in this playthrough if this is going to be a long playthrough for you i wouldn't recommend building the field hospital early on because you're going to have so much more game to play and you want to be sustainable throughout the whole game so the field hospital is definitely a nice facility and the ability to move infection and heal injuries from all survivors at once, that is definitely a key ability, but I think you can get around that other ways. And the last facility that's unique to the Sheriff is another large facility. It's the Lounge 3. This increases the rate at which all your survivors gain experience. And if you listen to my previous podcast, you know that I love the Lounge, and the Lounge is a great facility, and it can really help boost your morale. And the Lounge 3, the fact that it actually helps with how fast your survivors can experience that's really good too so the lounge three is something i would personally use if i was using the sheriff because i already love the lounge anyways so if i already love the lounge if i already am used to having a lounge two when i have the space for it then why not make a lounge three and actually gain more experience as well so yeah that's kind of the unique facilities for the sheriff and now we can kind of talk about some of the legacy missions so the sheriff has four legacy missions um, some of them have five for leader types. Some have four like this. And 
overall, I think these legacy missions are very succinct, and I think they are really meaty in the value they give you. So basically for me, I think these missions are a lot of fun, and they kind of offer you a storyline, and I like the storyline it leads you on. So if you listen to the Builder episode I did, that doesn't really lead you on as much of a story. I think the Sheriff Legacy leads you on more of a story, and I really appreciate that story. So we'll kind of get into those, and I'll talk about that as we go. But basically, as always with these Legacy missions, if you're a new player, in order to start your your Legacy mission for whatever leader type you have, you have to destroy all the play cards in your area. So first thing you have to do is kill all the play cards that are in your town. Usually it's about 10. Um, it can vary a little bit. It can be 9. It can be 10. I think the most it can be is 12, I believe. So it, it usually varies a little bit, but basically it's around 10. So you have to kill around 10 play cards, and then you'll get prompted to come back home. It'll say, oh, we killed the last play card. We defeat the blood play or something along those lines. And you'll get prompted to come back home and talk to your survivors because the game wants you to talk to your survivors and celebrate that you beat the blood lake. So once you do this and you talk to a couple survivors from your community, what happens next is your leader legacy will start and then you'll get the prompt to do the gone missing mission. And then you'll get the prompt to do the gone missing mission. And basically with this mission, what's going to happen first is one of the enclaves that's in your game is going to contact you regarding a missing enclave. They're going to ask you to go look for this enclave. So you're probably immediately thinking, okay, this enclave is probably dead, because usually when people are missing in the game, that means they're already dead. But when you reach the destination marked on the map, you will find that they have died, which is pretty common in, you know, searching for people in this game, unfortunately, that whenever you're asked to search for somebody, they're usually dead. But there is actually a note on one of their bodies. So you pick up this note, and then you head to the next location. And then when you get to the next location, you actually find another note. So once you have both notes, you go back to the Allied Enclave's base, and you basically tell them what happened. And when you get there, though, you're going to encounter people trying to kill the Enclave. So there's going to be people actually attacking that Enclave when you get back there. So it's kind of like you arrive just in time to try and defend them. And what you have to do is you have to defend them, and you have to kill the people that are attacking them. So once these attackers are dead and you save the Enclave, the mission's going to be completed. So, that's all Mission 1. And in comparison, the Builder Mission 1 was like, you know, build a water catcher. Or, I, I forget exactly what it was, but it was like, build one item, and then the mission is done. So, this is a proper Mission 1. This is a good mission, and this is a mission that actually gives you a story, and it kind of leaves you thinking about what's going to happen next. And that's the way a mission should be, and... I definitely applaud this mission because this mission's a lot of fun and especially if you're someone that doesn't know the storyline already, you're kind of wondering, oh, who were these people? Why were they attacking them? Why did they want to kill them? Why did they kill the previous people? What's going on here? Is this like some kind of war going on? So it really leaves you thinking, hmm, what's going on here? I kind of want to know what's happened next. And the fact that you get some combat against some actual human enclaves and you get to defend these people it kind of gives you a bond with this enclave. This allied enclave that you have, it kind of gives you a bond with them because you help defend them. So that's kind of a cool feeling. So Gone Missing, I think, is a great intro mission to the sheriff, and it kind of embodies what a sheriff is because a sheriff, you think of someone, okay, this person's going to protect people. They're going to look out for what's best. They're going to have, you know, 
some good morals and they're going to be just. And this mission really embodies that Sheriff legacy. So I definitely applaud this mission and it's a great first mission. So after this mission, you're going to move on to a mission called Loyalty. And basically this Loyalty mission, it's going to be triggered after a guy missing ends. So in this mission, you're going to explore areas nearby and you're going to find different enclaves and ask them for help. Some of them are going to agree with you and they'll want to help you, but some of them won't want to and they'll be violent towards you. So you're going to have to kill the ones that are violent towards you. And then once you've interacted with all the enclaves that are in that area, then the mission's going to be over. So basically this mission seems pretty simple. You know, it's not as story intense as the first mission, I would say. But what's good about this mission is it kind of escalates things a little bit more because you're looking for allies to help you with whoever these people were that actually killed that previous enclave and they attacked the allied enclave from the first mission. You're looking for people to help you defend against them. And you're finding some that are going to be allies with you, but you're also finding some that are hostile and they're probably working with the quote-unquote enemy. So it's really cool because it, you know, kind of embodies what a sheriff is again where you're looking for allies you're looking for who is not on your side who is on your side and it kind of gives that old you know wild west feel to it because in the zombie apocalypse it probably would revert to some of that old wild west feel so honestly through two missions you know we almost spoiled the ending yet but through two missions you know great job undead labs this is a great story so far and if i was a new player playing this then just as I did when I was new, I would enjoy the storyline. The storyline is really cool. So your third mission is called Protection. This is a simple mission where one of the friendly enclaves is going to be under attack by the Heart Eaters. So it's basically like the same thing as the first mission where one of your friendly enclaves is going to be attacked by these people. And you must head over there and save them. And once you defeat all the people that are attacking them, the mission is going to be over. So... For me, this mission kind of falls flat out of the four a little bit. This is the weakest one. Um, I do kind of understand why it's in here. It's kind of, in, in my opinion anyways, this mission is in here to lead up to the last fight because this mission's kind of, you know, to push you over the edge where you're already angry at these people. This mission is kind of to push you over the edge and say, you know, we're not going to stand for this anymore. If people keep attacking our friends. We're not going to stand for this. Let's go get them. And to me, this is kind of in there to push you over the edge and to push you mentally to that state. But the actual mechanics of it, you've already done this exact thing in Mission 1. So that's where it falls a little bit flat for me. So story-wise, I do understand the concept of it. I understand why it's in there for the story part. But mechanically, it does feel a little bit samey for what you've already done in the first mission. So I wish there was a way to make this mission a little bit differed. That way it offers a different gameplay experience to go along with the story, because I think the story of this mission fits very well. I think the gameplay loop of this mission does not fit well. So I'm not really sure what could be done in this case, because you do want to send the story to the next level where you want to be angered enough to go attack these people so i don't know if there's a way to mechanically do it in the game where undead labs can make it where maybe these people show up and they kill one of your community members which that might be a little harsh and that might kind of go against with 
state of decay is a little bit because you want to have some control over that where you're not automatically losing community member and i think people will get upset you know if it was their favorite community member better just randomly died in this attack that they couldn't stop so that's probably not the answer but i'm just kind of you know kind of spitball ideas here and how this could be improved a little bit but i think it would have to be something along those lines where it'd be a little bit different but still send you over the edge i think one thing that would kind of be cool if they could figure out a way to do it with the game mechanics is kind of a ransom so maybe um you arrive at one of your allied enclaves but you're already too late you find two of them dead and then there's a note saying that we have the third person ransom if you want to save them you know, come to this location to save them. And maybe they're like locked in a room and you have to unlock that door and take out the people there to save them. That would be kind of interesting. And, and that would send you over the edge because they killed two of your allied friends and they held another one at ransom. And then you had to go over there and attack them. So that would be kind of a good way to marry the storyline and marry the game mechanics so it kind of fits together into a nice gameplay loop, I think. But, again, I'm not sure how feasible that is for Undead Labs to do that as a mission, so um, maybe that's something they can do in the future as a mission, because I know you can already go to locations to attack Enclaves. You know, this is part of what the storyline's already been. I'm just not sure if they could put a mechanic in the mission that one of the allied people is held hostage, so... I'm not sure how difficult that is to program in there, but if it's possible for them to do that, I would think that would be a cool way to do this. So maybe, you know, in a future update or maybe in um, a future DLC, there could be like a new mission where there's a hostage mission and that'd be kind of interesting, actually. So yeah, that's kind of the third mission protection. Um, there's one mission left after this, and this is kind of the, you know, finale of this storyline. And the storyline is done very well, so... Basically, it's all leading up to this, and the last mission is called Time to Stop Heart Eaters. So, this is a concluding mission for the community. So, uh, one thing I'll mention before we get into the actual mission itself is, when you conclude this, you can't go back to your base or anything like that. The game ends automatically, and then you can start a new game if you want, but you can't go back. So, make sure if there's something that is very special to you, that you have it on you to take with you to the next community. because Say you have like a gun that you really love, you know, maybe the Timberwolf, make sure you have that on one of your people. That way you can use it in a different community because if it's in their backpack, you can use it in the future. So yeah, once you have all the stuff you need, then basically what you can do is go start this mission and prepare to end the game because you can put like a, a Timberwolf, maybe you want to carry like some extra seeds or maybe some extra parts into your next game with you. So if there's something you want to keep and Maybe there's like a facility mod you really like, Signal Booster, or the Network Signal Booster, one of those two, then you can take that with you to your next game if you put it on one of your characters. But once you're ready to start the mission, basically you're going to head to the location that's marked on the map. It's going to lead you to a building where the leader of the Heart Eaters is located, so the leader's going to be there at that building, and then you need to kill them and kind of you know cut off the head of the snake. Basically, if you kill them, then... The whole thing's over and you can return to peace. And it is possible to snipe the leader of the Heart Ears from a distance. 
But if you can't do that, then you'll have to go inside the building to kill them. So you can, you know, end it silently, easily, if you can uh, get off a shot and snipe them from a distance. But if you're not able to do that, you have to go inside the building. And if you're going to go inside the building to kill them, then there's a lot of humans that are going to be outside the building. And you'll have to kind of get through them in order to get in the building and kill the leader. So basically, if you get through these... um subordinates of the leader then you have free access to the leader so what you're going to have to do is make your way up to the roof and the leader should be on the roof and you climb up to the roof kill the leader of the heart readers by any means possible so shoot him um use melee weapons whatever you have to do and then once the leader is dead the remaining enemies will surrender and won't be hostile anymore so if there are any remaining enemies that are still alive then they will kind of just surrender when their leader dies. And that's kind of the uh, Sheriff Legacy's final mission. So I think this is a good final mission. It offers um, some very good end to the story here where you think, you know, this is all leading up to a final fight and this is the final fight and you kind of get in there and attack them. So I think story-wise, like I've been saying this whole uh, legacy, I think the story of this legacy is top-notch. You know, this is exactly what you want for a sheriff story. And this storyline offers it throughout every mission. Every mission is great storyline, perfect top-notch. Now, missions 1 and 2, I think gameplay of missions 1 and 2 were great. And just to refresh, that was Gone Missing. That's the one where you had to go talk to an enclave, find a couple of notes, then go back and actually protect them when they're getting attacked because it's kind of a sneak attack that you weren't expecting. The second one was loyalty, where you had to go talk to some different enclaves, and they would either be friendly or they wouldn't be friendly, so you'd have to attack them. So that was very good gameplay-wise. Protection, I didn't think was good gameplay-wise, just because you've already done that. Basically, you have to defend an enclave, and you've already done that in mission one. So I think gameplay-wise, protection didn't really do the job, and it didn't live up to the storyline. And this final mission, Time to Stop Heart Eaters, I think gameplay-wise, this falls a little bit short as well, because for me, the final mission was a little bit too easy. Like, you're leading up to this the whole time. All these previous missions are leading up to this. I feel like you want a bigger fight at the end. So, I feel personally that the difficulty should be ramped up on this mission at the end, and there should be more humans involved. So, essentially, when I played it, I only had a couple of humans outside. I killed them, and then I had free access to the building. I went upstairs, I went to the roof, you know, one or two shots, the leader was dead, and that was it. So it felt kind of anticlimactic where, you know, I made it to the leader, I made it to their base, I'm going to attack them, and then, oh, okay, I, I killed two of your friends, and now I shot you in the head once, and you're, you're gone. Like, it felt a little bit too lackluster to me. So what I would have suggested is kind of like a tiered setup where maybe you have like a guard outside maybe there's like um you know a couple more inside and then as you progress to the leader you know maybe there's more enemies there so i would suggest more enemies overall i think i could be wrong on this but i think there was four total enemies including the leader i would say undead lab should probably ramp it up to seven enemies total and kind of spread those out. 
because you don't want it to be too hard where you can't survive that fight, but you want it to be more rewarding, I'd say, to actually win. So I would say, you know, maybe two guards outside, then maybe have one person inside, and then as you go up the stairs to the next floor, maybe have two more people there, and then for the final fight on the rooftop, I think it should have the leader and the leader's, like, top bodyguard. And I know there's no way in game to make, okay, this this uh, is a boss fight, this character is, you know, more difficult to beat. I know there's no way to do that, but um, maybe another option, too, is to somehow make the RNG randomness not as random for the leader and, like, their guard up top. So when you get to the top, maybe they have, like, top-notch weapons where they have, okay, this guy's got a Cleo battle axe, and this guy's got... Uh, a blast rifle or like you know some top-notch military rifles and it makes it harder to beat them atop so that's kind of what i was looking for in this final fight is a progressively bigger fight where i get to the end and it's a little bit of a challenge for me to win but i was kind of let down by that so storyline it's very cool but um gameplay wise it fell a little short for and even the fact that you can snipe the leader from a distance and basically just end the conflict right there, I don't like that. So I think that should be taken away where I think um, they should make the angles of where the leader sits to where he can't be sniped. So somehow maybe build the rooftop uh, up a little bit more. That way you can't snipe him because I think that's an even more cheap way to win is to snipe not cheap in the player sense, cheap in the reward sense. Like, I'm not saying it's cheap as a player to, oh, it's a cheap shot that you just sat there and sniped him far away. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it's more cheap in the sense that it doesn't reward you enough where you're building up to this. And the fact that you're able to snipe him like that, it's not rewarding enough as a player. So that's kind of where I feel about that. But. Overall, the, the Sheriff Legacy was a lot better than the Builder Legacy, and the storyline is top-notch, so I'm not someone that does, like, number grades a lot, but, you know, I would say, like, number grade, the story was, like, 8.5 or a 9 out of 10 for me, you know, definitely a great storyline, it, it really gives you the feel of a Sheriff, and that's kind of what you want in the story, um, the actual gameplay and gameplay mechanics of it, I would say it's not horrible or anything. It's still a decent gameplay, but I would say it sits more around a six or six and a half for me. So it's, you know, above average, you know, it's it's decent gameplay. I think those first two missions really stand out. But the fact that the first two stand out and not the last two, I think that's the wrong order there, where if maybe, you know, the first two were kind of lackluster and then the the last two kind of brought it home and the last two were really good. I think that kind of gives a different perception to the player where, okay, this is a lot more rewarding. You know, it's a great campaign. Well, technically it's not a campaign, but you know what I mean? It's a mission, but this is a great mission. And I think the fact that the better gameplay missions, in my view, were front-loaded instead of back-loaded, I think that takes away from the experience a little bit, so... That's kind of my take on the Sheriff Legacy overall, but I do like this Legacy. It's definitely um, more fun than the Builder, I think, and, you know, uh, I gave some of my ways I think they could improve those last two missions gameplay-wise. 
I know obviously it's not the easiest thing in the world where they can just click a button and, you know, oh, we got all these more enemies here, you know, or, oh, now we have a, a ransom mission. Here we go. We just clicked one button and there it's there. I know it's not that easy, obviously, and it takes a lot of time and effort to do this. And I also know that it's not always a decision that Undead Labs gets to make because they have budget constraints. Um, maybe they had to cut something for time. They didn't have enough time to finish a certain thing. So I definitely understand all those aspects. I'm just saying that if I was to improve these missions, those are some ideas I would have to improve these missions because I think gameplay-wise, uh, the last two fall a little bit shorter than what you want, but it's definitely not to where the Builder was. The Builder Legacy, I thought, felt very short in the Legacy missions, except for the last mission. The Sheriff Legacy, I thought, was very good for the first couple gameplay-wise. And then the last two, I thought, were above average, but they weren't anything stellar, I would say. So, definitely um, a very intriguing storyline. And even if, you know, you've heard this episode and you hadn't experienced it before, I would still recommend going back to experience it. Because this is definitely a great storyline to experience. And I personally would uh, like to experience it again myself. I mean... I just currently have a long playthrough I'm working through, so I'm not ready to end that playthrough. But, um, you know, talking through this again, it kind of brings me back to when I actually did it. And it kind of makes me nostalgic for a little bit. And it kind of makes me want to start a new community just to go through the storyline again. Because the storyline is actually pretty fun. So, definitely a great storyline. Um, love the storyline of this. And, you know, that's kind of where we're at the Sheriff Legacy. And like I said, um, we will talk about the Traitor Legacy and the Warlord Legacy in a later episode. Um, could be next week, it could um, be later in the month, or it could be pushed to January. I'm not quite sure because I often have to switch my plans based on um, what Undead Labs does. You know, sometimes they release a new patch notes that I have to cover. Um, sometimes there's a new DLC or a new update, so I cover those. But... Other times, um, if there's like a community event going on and something really fits with that community event, I might go for that. Like, I thought this fit with the community event a little bit better than Zed Hunter because this community event is not really focused on Zed Hunter, where Decay Fest was. This community event is focused on challenges in the base game, and I thought to do a legacy guy was more uh, fitting of that sort of style we're going for it on the trial. So that's kind of why I decided to switch gears a little bit and do this. But um, if you are someone that was intrigued by, you know, ranking the crossbows or ranking some of the things from Zed Hunter, that is still something I'm considering for the future. So you might hear that in a future episode, but um, just stay tuned and we'll see what happens. But just uh, before we go, uh, covering some of our news again, my next stream will be 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern on Sunday. And it's going to be a stream that is part of Undead Trials 2. And Undead Trials 2 is starting tomorrow. When you hear this, this is going to come out on Saturday. Undead Trials is starting on a Sunday at 6 a.m. So 6 a.m. Eastern Time. That is when Undead Trials 2 starts. And it's going to be a blast. We're going to have matches going all the way until 1 a.m. Tuesday morning. With only one hour break in between. And... There's going to be more matches after that, obviously, because it's a week-long event. This is going to be from December 9th to December 15th, so it's going to be going all week. I just can't say um, 
what's happening on Tuesday yet because we have to play around one before I can schedule Tuesday. So we have to actually know who wins and who loses before we can schedule that because it's a double elimination tournament. So I have to know who are our winners and who are our losers. That way I can pair them together. So that is definitely something that you'll hear about later in the week. But if you want to um, find out more news about this, then definitely stay tuned on Twitter. I'll be mentioning on Twitter. We have a Discord for the Undead Trials event. Even if you're not a competitor, you can still join that Discord and kind of find out some of the news. You can kind of talk to some of the competitors and just have some fun with us. So I'll definitely put that Undead Trials Discord link in the show notes that we can join that as well. And I do want to mention again, too, that there's going to be no Wednesday podcast next week, and that is because of Undead Trials 2. This is going to take a lot of time. It's something that's going to be... um, It's something that's going to involve real-time scheduling where I have to schedule on the fly, and it's going to involve a lot of streaming as a referee. It's going to involve a lot of effort from myself, K-Sizzle, and Mr. Dart, so I'm not going to have time next week to do a Wednesday podcast, but I hope everyone understands that and they kind of enjoy the event, and that kind of makes up for it. And I did mention earlier, too, that I might do a wrap-up podcast for Undead Trials 2 as like a bonus podcast. or maybe as part of the main podcast, I'm not really sure yet, but you might hear like a wrap up kind of, you know, talking about the winner, how they got there, um, some of the highlights of the event, some of the favorite games of the event. So we'll kind of see how that goes and how I have time for that, but that's something I'm definitely considering. But the next podcast you are going to hear will be next Saturday. So a week from today will be the next podcast. So definitely look forward to that. And I do want to give a quick plug to on Indiegogo, I'm not sure if anyone follows campaigns on there a lot, but there's a campaign on Indiegogo right now called Exclusively Games that I think is a great campaign, and it's definitely very important to gaming. Basically, this is a campaign that is made by Jeremy Hambly from The Quartering. You might know him from his YouTube channel there. And it's to form a website that is going to be all based on the games, and it's going to take politics out of gaming, so... This website that they're forming, he is hopeful to do like user reviews, um, gaming news, things like that, but actually keep politics out of gaming. And in my opinion, that's how it should be. And when I want to hear gaming news, I don't want to hear about politics with my gaming news. I want to hear about gaming news and politics separate, you know. So if I wanted to hear about politics, then I would want to hear about politics. I wouldn't want to hear about them within my games. So. Um, This is definitely something that I support, and if you support that too, and you support, you know, gaming being free of politics, then definitely um, check out Exclusively Games on Indiegogo. I will post a link in the show notes to that if you want to check that out, and if you want to um, donate, then he has some cool rewards like uh, being a founder and getting a founder t-shirt and things like that, so definitely check that out if you're interested. And if you want to find the podcast, you can find us on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Radio Public, Stitcher, Blueberry, Podbean, Acast, and many other directories. You can also find us on YouTube. We have a Facebook group you can join and watch the podcast on there. And honestly, if you just Google The Blaze Experience, you will find us somewhere. So that's all you have to do is Google The Blaze Experience and experiences, obviously, with the XP, no E at the front. And you'll find us somewhere. But if you want to contact me directly and leave me some feedback, 
then you can do so via email, blazeexperience at gmail.com. You can do so on Twitter or my gamer tag. That's Blaze Experience, capital B L A I S E, capital X P E R I E N C. You can also do so via my personal Discord, which you can join. I will have that in the show notes as well, so definitely check that out. And as I mentioned before, we have a Facebook group and a YouTube, so definitely subscribe to that. The YouTube, I don't use a ton. Um, It's mainly the podcast gets posted there, and then occasionally I'll upload some of my streams there. So if you want to uh, watch me stream, I stream, you know, once a week. Um, Just because I have so many other things I'm doing, you know, with community events for State of Decay, I'm doing the podcast twice a week. Um, I got my full-time job, obviously, so... I don't have a lot of time to stream, but I try to stream once or twice a week, and that is going to be Mixer.com slash BlazeExperience if you want to watch me stream. But I do occasionally put these streams on YouTube. If I think it's a really good stream, then I'll upload it to YouTube. Uh, for example, in Undead Trials 1, I competed with Undead Labs developer Jurgen Cicerno, and basically I uploaded that stream of us competing. It was a four-hour stream. I thought it was a really cool stream, so I uploaded that to YouTube, so... That is something that's on YouTube if you want to check it out. But I think we had a good episode here talking about the Sheriff Legacy. I hope everyone enjoyed it. It's definitely a lot of fun to talk through my thoughts on that, and I hope you enjoy those as well. But I definitely know that, and I know another thing I'm going to enjoy is Undead Trials 2. I'm definitely looking forward to this. It's going to start tomorrow. I can't wait. I am a little bit upset that I have to work tomorrow, but you know it is what it is. Um, I have most of the end of the week off so Wednesday through Saturday I'll be off so I'll get to enjoy Undead Trials and um, lend a lot more time to that later in the week early in the week I'm gonna have to kind of you know get in as much time as I can where I can but it's gonna be a lot of fun and I can't wait to stream uh, 10 to 4 for that and 10 to 2 I will be refereeing and then 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. that's when I'm gonna have my game for round one so I'm gonna be competing so if you want to watch me compete and you know, see if I win or lose, then definitely check that out from two to four. Or if you want to see me referee some games, then I'll be unveiling uh, some games in that stream as well. And you can see some great competitors. We're going to have, um, I believe, ML Maras from YouTube is going to be one of the competitors I'm hosting. Um, Kay Sizzle, one of the co-organizers, I'll be refereeing his game, I believe. So definitely check that out. It's going to be a lot of fun. But I really appreciate everyone listening. If you want to leave feedback from the podcast, One of the best ways you can do so is leaving a review on iTunes. This really helps more people find the podcast and helps us grow. So I would definitely appreciate anyone doing that. But it's been a great episode. I thank you for listening. So thank you, everyone, for listening to The Blaze Experience. (laughs) 